Hi, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Taking Control of Your Diabetes podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Jeremy Pettis, joined as always by my good friend and colleague, Dr. Steve Edelman. You know, I always say joined as always, but it's not true. You know, sometimes we're together and sometimes we're not, but obviously I enjoy when we get to do these together. Jeremy, we're, we're always together in spirit. Exactly. So... As usual, we're coming to you with a really, you know, fun and interesting topic and an important topic. So this is alcohol and diabetes. So as I always kind of mention at the start of these things, usually is, is why are we talking about this topic? Well, you know, alcohol is, you know, something a lot of people drink alcohol and listen, it has effects on your blood sugar. And not only does it affect your blood sugar, but it obviously impairs your judgment. So it can make managing diabetes tasks difficult when you are drinking. And it's something that people generally feel very uncomfortable bringing up with a provider or even there's limited information online. So this is all about how to kind of, if you are going to consume alcohol, how to really do it safely with diabetes. Yeah. And I'll add to that. Uh, besides doing it safely, you want to do it so it doesn't wreck your blood sugars. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's pita coladas, which we'll talk about on one end of the spectrum and hard alcohol on the other. And, you know, we... We realize that there are a lot of people out there that don't condone drinking, and we respect that. But there are probably more people that do like to drink alcohol socially, hopefully, uh, and above you know, 21, and we want to help people do it safely. And that's what's missing in the diabetes education classes across America. Mm -hmm. They just say, don't drink. Exactly. And before I forget, I have to specifically mentioned, I think probably one of our most viewed, if not the most viewed video that we have, which is called Alcohol and Diabetes, Do They Mix? And if you follow us at TCYD, you know we do these challenges. You know, we've done the piece of pizza challenge where we ate pizza and had to, three pieces, I think, had to stay in range. We did donuts. Steve ate three donuts. I ate three donuts. Try to keep our blood sugars in range. And then famously did this video on alcohol where I drank three 16 ounce IPAs, Pliny the Elder, in 45 minutes. Good Lord. I don't know why we came up with those rules. And uh, <laughs> Steve drank three old fashions. And we talk about, um, and we do this kind of in real time, um, how these different types of alcohol affect your blood sugar differently, beer versus hard alcohol. And it is funny, as the video goes on, that we get intoxicated, but that's also part of the point, that it becomes, you know, you lose your inhibitions, you like, you know, thinking about diabetes can kind of go out the window. And importantly, we come back after this, you know, this exercise, I, I show my blood sugars the next day and talk about what happened and how my blood sugars, you know, behaved overnight, all those kinds of things. So if you haven't seen it, check that, check that video out. Yeah. And I would just say, once again, um, we try to do these challenges, not to do them every single day. You know, I don't eat three donuts every day, maybe two. No, <laughs> but how do you do it safely and how do you enjoy life and everything in moderation? And so that's, that's the purpose of all these challenges. And you don't, that's so important for people living with diabetes. They want to feel normal and do the things they like to do. Yeah. So let's get kind of our official disclaimer out of the way, the bad stuff that clearly drinking large amounts of alcohol can cause all kinds of problems, liver disease, heart disease, pancreatitis, high blood pressure. So the point of this is not, you know, for us to poke fun at, you know, alcoholism by any means. It's that if you are going to drink, you know, how to do it safely. Um, Absolutely. So with that in mind, um, here is a statement, Steve. So I think we already kind of know the answer to this, but it says people with diabetes should never drink alcohol. True or false? Definitely 
false. Right. So again, if you don't want to drink, fine. But there's actually specific recommendations, and the American Diabetes Association says that women should drink no more than one drink per day, and men should drink no more than two drinks a day. These be men and women with diabetes. And I kind of think of this as like, you think about everything. You know? That's sexism. Well, no. Like we say, is there a diabetes diet? Not really. You should eat kind of healthy in moderation just like anybody should. And when it comes to alcohol, it's kind of the same message that you should just you know do it safely, do it in moderation. Um, but people with, with diabetes can drink and shouldn't feel like they're you know a quote unquote bad diabetic if they have an occasional alcoholic beverage. And I, I hate these kind of rules, to be honest. I love the ADA they give us a lot of good guidelines, but these guidelines are not helpful in real life. Well, I think it at least opens a door of like, listen, like in some of these like societies at least recognize that it's not just a hard no that the, you know people can drink alcohol. Yeah, that's true. So I'm glad you turned your your mind around on that one. So first of all, what is a drink? Well, there's there's actual definitions of this. So a drink is a 12 ounce beer, or a five ounce glass of wine. Or basically a shot's worth of, of alcohol. So hard alcohol, glass of wine, beer. And I always tell people, you know, for men, let's say that you can have two drinks uh, a day. These aren't like rollover minutes. You can't like acquire them. You know, if I didn't drink Monday and Tuesday, then I can go like hog wild on Wednesday. Like, I haven't had a drink for two weeks. <laughs> yes, we wait till so tonight. You get 28. <laughs> um, so when it comes to what we need to think about alcohol, this is why it's a slightly a complicated topic because if you ask a bunch of doctors or providers, you know, what does alcohol do to your blood sugars? They'll say, oh, it lowers it. Or maybe some will say it raises it. And it really is not that simple because we have to think about multiple things when it comes to alcohol. So first of all, we have to think about the calories that it's just a, a great way to gain weight. If you, anybody wants to gain weight, you can pack a lot of calories in alcohol. So we have to be mindful of that. Then the carbs in alcohol. So the carbs in your alcohol will obviously raise your blood sugar. And as we'll get into over and over again, depending on what you drink, there's a wide array of how many carbs might be in that specific drink. And I should say on the other end of the spectrum, you drink a hard alcohol with no carbs, that could eventually lead to hypoglycemia. Exactly. So, you know, you, you can go either way. So, exactly. So the carbs in the alcohol, if you're drinking a pina colada, let's say, will obviously raise your blood sugar. But the alcohol itself tends to lower your blood sugar. So those things can have offsetting effects. And like you just mentioned, Steve, if you're drinking a pina colada, your blood sugar is going to go through the roof. You're going to go high. If you're just sipping on bourbon all night, you might go low. And that's why you can't just say... Alcohol does X. It depends a lot on what you're drinking. Yeah. And I, I would just say this, you know, if one step back in terms of preparing to drink alcohol, we, you would have gotten to this anyway, but, uh, you know, being able to measure your blood sugar uh, and tell your friends that you're with, uh, and hopefully you, you have a close enough relationship with your uh, significant other partner, man or, fe- or woman, that you have diabetes, and these are the kind of things to look out for. And continuous glucose monitor is probably the best tool to yeah. make sure you don't get into trouble. So these are some of my tips kind of at the end, but having a CGM is yeah. one of them, and having a drinking buddy is what I call it, is another one. You know, like somebody that knows that you have diabetes, that you're going to be, you know, consuming alcohol. But if they drink alcohol with you then and they're wasted, how yeah. could they help you? You just got to get drunk faster than they do. <laughs> <laughs> so... um All right, so let's go through some kind of popular alcohols, if you will. So we're going to start with beer. 
And, um, you know, and beer in of itself is the category that probably varies the most in terms of how many carbs or, or calories are in specific beers. So just starting with a, a light beer, like an Amstel light, you know, these get kind of a lot of presses, like, you know, kind of weight friendly, et cetera. Um, when it comes to calories and carbs, do you want to take a guess, Steve, of how many calories or carbs are in an Amstel light? Yeah. And I, I was just going to mention too, I had a friend come over that was on the keto diet and he brought over a six pack of uh, Michelob light. And apparently it was the lightest beer he could find. I would say- Well, before uh, you answer, that's a good point because- Thing I forgot to mention is that there's some loophole. I don't know what it is, but beer and alcohol do not have to have nutritional labels on them. Yeah. So a lot of beers, I challenge you to try to find it. You won't. So as somebody, people living with diabetes, you actually have to actively go and look up this information. Google your favorite beer, hard alcohol, whatever to, to find this. And you can also find lots of discrepancies. If you just Google Amstel Light on, online, um, it's kind of all over the place sometimes. You're not quite sure what you're putting in your body, which is problematic. That, that is strange. Yeah. Um, I bought some of this spiced eggnog from Costco. It's spiked with alcohol, and it tastes like it has 4,000 calories. I couldn't find yeah. the nutrition label. Well, I would say with a light beer, you're probably going 50, 60 calories for 12 ounces. Yeah, so, you know, depending on, you know, 90 to 100, maybe down to that low for Michelob Ultra, I'm not sure. Or light, but um, about five grams of carbs in these light beers. So they actually are, you know, pretty carb friendly when you're, you know, drinking these these light beers. So now that's since, since you're asking me face the nation type of questions, mm -hmm. how many calories in a Guinness, twelve ounce? Guinness? Well, uh, that's my next thing I got here because I know this is your favorite topic. And oh, I know I'm you sorry. better than you know yourself. <laughs> and um, so Guinness, people think, okay, it's a heavy beer, it's really flavorful. That's got to be packing a ton of calories. Um, it's actually only, which is small for a beer, 126 calories, 10 grams of carbs. And I know, Steve, you like to say this. This is probably the most flavorful but lower carb beer. It's the lowest calorie re regular, regular beer. beer. Yeah. Non, not a light beer. And you know what? You're right. You look at it. It looks like mud. It's so th mm -hmm. dark. But it's a great beer to drink if you have diabetes. Can you pass me the other set, third bottle for me? <laughs> <laughs> so now we're moving up the spectrum. So light beer, five grams of carbs. You know, you got Guinness. That was, you know, what did we say? Ten grams of carbs. But there's been this kind of revolution in beer for, you know, High, you know, hops, high alcohol, these IPAs, double IPAs. And in general, the more alcoholic you get, the more carbs and more calories you have. So I always kind of credit San Diego as leading this IPA launch, but other cities would probably argue with that, but they're not here, so beat it. But anyways, when you look at some of these IPAs, they can be, you know, 220 to almost 300 calories per 12 ounces. That's a lot of, of that, calories that, in a beer. That's a tremendously... Yes, calories. it's a ton. And then you can have 20 to you know 25 grams of carbs in one of these IPAs. And the way I tell people that that's you know, um, a half of a, a Coca-Cola or Pepsi, something like that, that's a lot of carbs. So clearly if you're drinking that, it's going to raise your blood sugar a lot. And so we've moved from you know, this light beer to these kind of high, you know, alcohol beers. And again, even within just beer, it makes a big difference what you're drinking. So figure out what you like to drink. Oh, you know, I only drink uh, Stella's or whatever. Just Google it. See how many carbs it is. And you can get an idea of what you might need to take if you're on insulin to kind of cover those carbs. And we'll get to that. Well, Jeremy, a can of Coke is 170 calories. Yeah. And so it's more calories, but a can of Coke is probably like 
35, 40 grams of carbs. Yeah, though. you're right. Because yeah. beer has other things in it. Yeah. So, I, you know, in general, I say if you, you know, do these carb servings, one beer is about one carb serving, 15 grams of carbs is a general estimate for, you know, a beer. And again, there's a, there's a wide array there. So, um, and this is tough because I like beer. Um, but I really have kind of shied away from it recently because um, it, it wrecks your blood sugars. Well, yeah, you, you, well, you like the double IPAs yeah. as well. And when we had that alcohol challenge, you drank like the 18-ounce Pliny the Elder bottles. Yeah, they bottles. keep getting bigger. I don't know how big they were. They're 16, 18. They're no, big they're, bottles. they're 18 ounces. Okay. They're, yeah. Yeah, and you drank three of those in 45 minutes. I, my stomach couldn't handle that. Yeah. But you, you downed them. Steve made a bed for me. We had a little sleepover. It was nice. So, all right. So beer, we're going to leave that behind for right now. So what about wine? And I don't have to put you on the the spot here, Steve, but in general with wine, it actually is much more calorie and carb friendly. So if I'm just talking about diabetes, wine is much better than beer in terms of the effects on blood sugars. Um, In general, a glass of wine around 120 calories, five grams of carbs or so. And it doesn't matter much if it's a red wine or a white wine. I mean, certainly if you drink these like very sweet dessert wines, that'll have more carbs in it. But for a typical glass of people drink Chardonnay, um, you know, a cab, whatever, not too many carbs. Yeah. And wine is one of the best drinks people with diabetes can have. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously, if you like wine, if you don't like wine, we're going to talk about other choices as well. So it's it's an awesome choice. Doesn't have to be a fancy French wine. Right. You know you know, all the different types. So it's about the same. You're right. And, you know, people sip wine. They don't guzzle it either. Yeah. And taking it in slower also helps. Little cheese and salami go a long way as well. And I'm just thinking, like, you know, people are listening. They're probably thinking, so many, how many times have you been in a party, you know, and someone's been like, oh, do you want a glass of wine or beer? And said, like, oh, you have diabetes. You probably shouldn't have that, right? Oh, oh. You should. They, they, I've given a couple black eyes at those parties. <laughs> like, are you, are you freaking kidding me? Yeah. It, I mean, it is it is frustrating, but it's good to have this information and tell people, no, like, again, you should be able to drink just like anybody else should um, in moderation. So what about hard alcohol? If you just took a shot of your favorite bourbon, Steve, um, how many carbs would be in that? I would say none. Yeah, you're right. Zero grams. So this all, always blows people's mind when I say this, but in terms of the best thing to drink with diabetes, it's hard alcohol. It has zero carbs in it. Now, the important caveat there is you have to be really careful of what you're mixing with your hard alcohol. It's not a ton of people out there that just sip, you know, vodka all day long. I mean, there's obviously a number of them. But most people tend to mix their drinks with, with something. So I have here, you know, my slide on a, a pina colada. And just one pina colada, which again is only one shot of rum or so. So the rum doesn't have any carbs. But one pina colada has 526 calories. 61 grams of carbs. And that's not including the cherry they put on top. (laughs) Yeah. And I love pina coladas. I mean, who doesn't? But that is, you know, like a whole meal, a ton of carbs. And so you can see, like we're getting at, that the alcohol in that is actually not the problem. It's all the other, you know, goop you put in there. You actually have a really good low calorie pina colada I was just thinking of the buy soft drink, uh, uh, not soft drinks, but diet drinks, B-A-I. They have a cocoa fusion and it's delicious. And it's 10 calories for a huge bottle of it, 10. So you mix that with rum, you put ice in a blender, and you fire it up, and it's it tastes excellent. And it's about 60 calories total. And there's, there's 
always ways to find, you know, favorite drinks and make them lower calorie, lower carb, you know, skinny margaritas, all these kinds of things. So um, there is hope. Yeah. Yeah. When I was introduced to bourbon, it was a drink with bourbon and uh, 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 ginger ale. So, you know, ginger ale is just like drinking a Coke. Mm -hmm. So getting diet ginger ale and bourbon is awesome. But as I got more sophisticated, you know, you don't mix a good bourbon with anything. But I do like old fashions. Get the big ice cube, of course. Don't don't be around me if I, if I go into a nice restaurant and they give it. No, they I make it on crushed ice. We got to stop there for a second because he's serious. If he orders an old fashioned and it comes out with crushed ice or not a giant ice cube, is it an, it is an unpleasant experience to be around? <laughs> to Steve, it just pisses say, me like, off. You know, you'll ask some questions like, "What is this?" Okay, but but Jeremy. This is 2023. But you could just say, hey, when you make it, you mind putting in a big ice cube? But it's almost like a test. And then when when they come back, you just get mad. No, I I somehow forget to ask at a nice restaurant. But anyway. And I go to the bathroom and then just like. Old, old (laughs) yeah, right there in your pants. (laughs) Uh, So in an old fashioned, you know, it's it's good bourbon, large ice cube, a little bit of uh, simple syrup and some bitters and maybe a cherry or a slight, the outside rind of an orange or lime. And um, I would say this, that I always order it, I say, light on the simple syrup. Because mm-hmm. that's just pure liquid syrup. And it's, but it's very little, and that's the only thing that, um, that has calories. And, you know, you drink it slow. You, you never guzzle an old-fashioned. And the cherries, you mentioned that a number of times in our video. Yeah, Luxardo cherries. Mm-hmm. They've been soaked in... Um, you know, like brandy for six months. Yeah, they cost good. a ton. Uh, so well, anyway, that's my drink, and it never wrecks my blood sugars. Well, I'm going to get to my drink right after this point I wanted to make. So with the pina coladas, 520-something calories, 61 grams of carbs. Just for comparison, a Big Mac, God bless it, McDonald's Big Mac, 550 calories, 46 grams of carbs. So if you're drinking one pina colada, um, it's more than a Big Mac in terms of carbs. And I'm not saying don't ever have a pina colada. You just got to know like what you're putting in your body. And of course you would bolus if you're going to eat a a Big Mac or take insulin, et cetera. So my favorite drink while we're on the topic, I've I've really gravitated towards these hard kombuchas. Kombucha is basically a tea that they can now ferment and make it alcoholic, like six, 7% alcohol. So it's got a decent amount in it. Name some brands. Like locally here in San Diego, we have June Shine, Boochcraft, there's local roots. And again, I've, this is kind of like the next wave now, I feel like. The IPAs was, you know, that was who had the coolest IPA. Now it's these kombuchas. And when I'm traveling, I'm seeing them more and more. Um, and they have typically three, four grams of carbs, and I, I like them. Same thing with these, these, I'm not as big on, but these seltzers like um, High Noon and, and White Claw and yeah. stuff, also very, very low carb. So those are yeah. very good, like diabetes-friendly options. Um, so there's, there are choices just when it comes to kind of any beverage. Um, and ways that it can make it kind of diabetes friendly. Those 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 type of drinks are super popular. Every time I go into a supermarket, there's a couple new brands that they're trying to market. And my daughter had a party at my house for her birthday party with a bunch of friends, and they brought in a keg of beer and a keg of June Shine. Oh wow! That so it was awesome. that popular, you know. And and they they finished that off way too fast. That's, I mean, that stuff's not cheap either. So, but I want to get a keg of June Shine. That sounds great. But so anyways, kind of putting this together on the spectrum of how these things might affect your blood sugar. Well, on the far end of kind of the bad area, I guess I would put foofy drinks like Mai Tais, Pina Coladas. These high sugary drinks are going to just make your blood sugars go sky high. 
um, make you hyperglycemic. You're going to have to take insulin. If you're not on insulin, maybe go for a walk, adjust medications, whatever. So next worst would be these kind of high calorie beers, IPAs, etc. Um, and then things that are kind of blood sugar neutral, I would put wine in that category. And then if you're drinking just kind of straight hard alcohol with with low calorie mixers, even Diet Coke, et cetera, those will tend to lower your blood sugars. So you have this wide array from actually making your blood sugars go low to making them go sky high. So again, knowing what you're, you're drinking is so, so important. Well, what kind of recommendations uh, should we give the folks listening on uh, consuming calories and what type of calories? Like if you're out at a bar or a friend's house and you're drinking you know, more than you usually do and maybe you're drinking more hard alcohol. What what kind of recommendations would for you blood sugars? Yeah, to keep it from dropping. Yeah, so and the time frame of dropping. You know, too. I always tell people, um, first of all, a couple things. When you are are drinking, um, you're going to have to worry about the carbs and that alcohol for the next couple of hours or whatever. Um, so you're going to have to prepare for that. But the effect of the alcohol itself on lowering your blood sugar is usually delayed. It happens kind of hours later and sometimes overnight. Um, so when people are going into, you know, to, to drink something at a bar or a party, like you mentioned, I always say that people should always eat something, you know, drinking on an empty stomach is, is, is never a good idea. Um, and make sure you have your CGM. Um, if you are on insulin, you can kind of intentionally under bolus a little bit for the carbs because you know that the, the, the alcohol is going to kind of, you know, lower your blood sugars a little bit. If you're really kind of going for it and having a, a, a big night out, I always tell people it's safer to be on kind of the higher blood sugar side than lower. Now, I would never tell someone to have their blood sugars be high all night, but if you're having more than, let's say, three drinks, then yeah, I would target something 150 to 200 is totally fine to avoid a low because here's the situation that we're trying to avoid. You go out, you have, let's say you have four or five drinks, you're, you know, you're intoxicated, you come home, um, your blood sugars are high. This is the worst case scenario. Your blood sugars are high. People take a big dose of insulin or medications to lower their blood sugar, and then they go to sleep. And they're sleeping, and they're intoxicated, so you don't hear your CGM alarms. You, know, you don't kind of respond to a low blood sugar, and mm-hmm. that can be a really you know, problematic situation. So you want to make sure that you're being conservative with your blood sugars, particularly overnight, um, when you're drinking, make sure you have your CGM alarm on, you know, as loud as possible that somebody's following you. Steve follows my blood sugar. Just last night, I had a, a low and you, that you texted me and asked me if I was all right, which I appreciate it. Not alcohol related. Um, but yeah, so those are some tips. Yeah, and I, my, my biggest suggestion is sleep with someone every night mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, because they can, they can save you. Um, you know, if you have a, obviously if you're married or a girlfriend or boyfriend, the, um, you know, that, that's so important. I think the things that you can snack on, like if you're at a bar, you know, I wouldn't eat a big old cheeseburger. Stuff's going to sit there. But, you know, things like uh, those little pretzels with peanut butter in the middle or, you know, order some bar food, you know, that you can snack on. You, you want carbs, but you also want some protein and fat that hangs in there yeah. and, and still acts later on, you know, so even a a charcuterie board, if you can order that, cheese, salami, and uh, crackers. It's perfect, you know. Yeah. Now, the other recommendation I give people is that if you have any diabetes tasks to do, do them before you go out or like you're going to a party or whatever. Um, what I mean by that is let's say you're on a CGM and it's about to expire. Don't be like, oh, I'll put that off until you know midnight tonight because you're not going to do it. 
um, or you have an infusion set you need to change on your pump, do that before you go out. Or if you're on basal insulin, take that before you go out because, you know, you might forget it. So I always say kind of do things now to protect yourself from drunk you later. Get these kind of like put yourself in as good a situation as possible so you don't have to deal with, you know, diet, like, potentially complicated diabetes tasks when you're intoxicated. Yeah, and you know, a lot of these uh, sensors have a warm-up time, or even if they don't, <clears throat> they don't, um, they're not that accurate in the very beginning. So doing that stuff early is key. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I use the Omnipod with my looping app, and I always try to get the whole uh, 72 hours plus that extra eight hours. But then when you put it on, you you know, you, you know, you fall asleep mm-hmm. and then you don't hear that little squealing when the thing goes dead and same with a Dexcom uh, sensor you know it takes two hours to warm up the G7 is going to have 30 uh, minutes so that's going to be an improvement but waiting those two hours is like eternity when you're wasted now the other thing for people on insulin you know I tell them if you're going to have more than three drinks if you're just on basal insulin you might consider reducing your dose 20 percent or so that night to avoid a low overnight um, the hybrid closed-loop pumps have helped a lot because as your blood sugars are dipping, they can turn off insulin and avoid a low. But if you are, you know, again, having a heavier drinking night, something that I've done and I know patients have done is actually put a system like the Tandem Control IQ in exercise mode or the Omnipod 5 or Loop. Basically target a slightly higher blood sugar because, again, I'd rather be 150, 160 all night than 50, you know, and so it's another way of kind of trying to uh, target higher blood sugars to keep yourself safe. Yeah, that's a great suggestion. Even doing it one or two hours before you even have your first drink. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you have to be able to say, okay, tonight I'm not going to have super tight control. Right. And the exercise mode is such an easy thing to do. Yeah. You know, the tandem shoots for what a blood sugar 160 versus 120. And uh, yeah, they all go for a higher. So that's that's a great suggestion. Mm Mm-hmm. And the other thing is um, just a good diabetes rule in general. If you're on insulin, if you have type 1 or type 2, everybody should have glucagon. Um, there's lots of new formulations of glucagon, um, uh, the G-Voke pen, you know, the, there's the Baxemi, um, and then the older kind of um, Lily product that we've had for a long time. But importantly, know where it is. Um, and tell somebody else where it is too. So there's no point in you, you know, going to sleep and, you know, having a horrible low and then your significant other wakes up and has no idea where the glucagon is. That happens all the time. Yeah. The other thing is, Jeremy, there is, uh, I've seen a couple articles in the lay literature that if you're drinking glucagon emergency will not work. Yeah. So I asked three or four experts, including Justin Gregory, who has type 1 and, like yourself, has a lot of interest in glucagon. And uh, it's a theoretical concern. uh, But in general, if you have glucagon with you, which you should, take it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and if you don't have any response in, in a short period of time, like 15 minutes, you know, Take another one, call paramedics. But I think the, the instructions that we gave you, if you just pay a little bit of attention, uh, you should not have any problems. And your drinking buddy, you know, they know about your CGM and they know how to use a glucose meter if that's all you got. And I, I think that's the key is yeah. knowing where you're at. And, you know, we should say real quick, I kind of skipped over this, what alcohol does to lower your, your blood sugar and essentially a way of thinking of it is that it kind of poisons the liver a little bit. So the liver can't put out glucose like it normally does. And so it leaves you kind of defenseless to, to raising your blood sugars. And the time that I really became like profoundly aware of how powerful that is, is that I do a lot of clinical research, as you know, in type 1 diabetes. 
And we had this patient that came in for a research study and he was going to be in the, in the, the unit overnight. And overnight we, we take people off their own pumps and actually put them on IV insulin. And I was getting, you know, calls from the nurses all night that they had turned this guy's insulin completely off for hours, but was still going low, still going low, a type one, having to give him carbs, et cetera. And came in the next day and said, you know, what happened? Like, this was so strange that we didn't have you on insulin for five, six hours. You're still going low. And he said, well, I was coming in for this study and I got, I was really nervous. So before coming to the unit, I went to Stone Brewery and had like three or four IPAs and showed up, you know, in the kind of the evening for the study. And so it was the alcohol that was just making him profoundly low all night. And if he, he wasn't in this, you know, research unit, he could have been in, you know, a, a tough place. But um, the, the whole thing is, I mean, we don't want to get too scientific on this show, but alcohol suppresses the ability of the liver to produce glucose, yeah. which occurs normally. But if you have stored glucose, it doesn't prevent that stored glucose from breaking down ending your bloodstream and saving you. So you, if you're a marathon runner and you've hit the wall like an hour before you went drinking, there's no stored glucose, you used it all up, you know, that's kind of a theoretical concern. Yeah. Well, I would say, you know, I think, again, this is a, such an important topic. We don't want to scare people, but we want to educate them. And with the right tools and education, you know, knock on wood, that you and I never had any problems. We're not like heavy, heavy drinkers, but, you know, we enjoy a good drink. <laughs> and um, it's important to know the effects of alcohol so you can you can stay safe and um, educate others, family members, on, you know, uh, how to help you with this process also. So. Yeah, it's a taboo topic that uh, not as much as the sex topic, which... We have done a podcast on, but, you know, alcohol is tough to talk about, especially with your parents and other people that may judge you. Yeah. Seriously, right after this, I'm taking Steve out to, for a drink and specifically going to a place that I know has large ice cubes. There's not going to be a scene because um, we're not invited back several places in San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you enjoy this. Share this with your friends. Do all the podcast stuff. Keep following us. We really enjoy doing this. Love hearing your feedback. And thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers.